KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about. You're going to be just fine. I'm your number one fan. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What's in the box? What's in the box? Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? How was your Halloween? Good. You were there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was there for Saturday night. Yeah. Well, that was... Well, I guess uh, we did a little stuff as a family, but that was my Halloween was Saturday night. Yeah. My wind up being that night, too. It was really funny because we went out. You were wearing your... Uh, well, you want to you wanna talk about your costume? You put some work into that thing, I did man. put some work into that. I ended up going as uh, Ming the Merciless from the 1981 classic flash gordon so if you're listening to this off of whatever podcatcher uh maybe cast box um i would i would just make sure if if the album art doesn't show up go on the web page and check out brandon's costume it'll be the cover it's amazing dude. <laughs> yeah it was it was actually a lot of fun to make because i had the uh the robe because I had this regal robe from a costume like six, seven years ago, and I've worn it a couple of different ways over the years. So that $25 I paid for that robe is paid off. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple Halloweens. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those things like it's just easy to throw on if like I wanted to wear something while trick-or-treating with the kids or yeah, that kind of thing. So how okay? So describe your ring because you put some work into this ring too. That wasn't the hard part of my costume, but the ring I uh, actually went on YouTube and looked at watched the because you can watch the end of Flash Gordon mm-hmm. and the scene where right after he gets sucked up into the ring or disintegrated by right the before ring, it drops and it drops right before Clytus grabs it. Like I still frame that and screenshot it with my phone. So I had like this perfect picture to like just work off of. So I sculpted using the gold flake clay, sculpted the the ring, bought a glass bead, uh, fired it in my oven. That's so much work, dude. (laughs) It was about an hour and a half worth of work. I threw on a hoodie and I was Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean, I did throw on a hoodie, but I'm, I did that right now. So no effort in my Halloween whatsoever. So after it was fired, I looked at it and I'm like, it's not gold enough. So I bought some gold metallic paint and then painted over top of it to give it that extra sheen. That is so cool. <laughs> it was so cool. And then you had like... I mean, what do you call that part? The collar of the robe or whatever? The the headpiece? I don't know. Yeah. How did you do that? So that one was the part that took me a long time. I probably had about six hours into that part. Because I took and used a big sheet of thick, like, uh, thicker than construction paper uh, poster board and cut out the, sh- the shape of it, like, kept measuring with the costume and 
just like trimming little pieces off till I finally got the shape I wanted. And then I uh, used this fabric glue, sprayed it on there, and then took a sheet of gold uh, fabric, glued it on there, cut that out, and then sewed the edges all the way around it with the sewing machine. And then I had this uh, one-inch ribbon that went all the way around it, sewed that on, and then I had this sheet of uh, gold poster board and cut out a bunch of little inch-and-a-half circles and hand-glued each one of those on to look like dragon scale. I did, like I could tell you put a lot of work into it. You do every year, but like that one was like I was so knocked out because it just like you had it down, dude. <laughs> you look like Ming the Merciless. So definitely check out that picture. Um, yeah, for my Halloween. Uh, okay, so for this story, we won't tell what bar we were at, <laughs> but uh, there was somebody. Dre- what was she dressed as? Do you know? The one with the bucket? Yes. That's, <laughs> I'm getting, the bucket is the story. Yeah. I don't know. It was like a witch with like contact lenses in or not like a, a witch, witch, but yeah, like I was a gonna say skeleton. It was, it was almost like uh, like Little Red Riding Hood, but not red, like blue, like Swiss Miss Girl or something. I don't know. But anyway. So a sexy ghoul or something. <laughs> I don't know. It, so she comes out and like we're talking with Matt and Dove Campbell that we had a good life podcast and many, many other people were out having a smoke out on the curb and she has this basket filled with all this bread and Matt Campbell's going on and on about how we needed to like get some bread. But I think he was literally talking about, <laughs> I think bread. he, I think, uh, Matt, or, uh, Doug was actually talking about because they had like loaves of bread you yes. could take inside the. For some reason, they had like seven grain. Matt kept talking about like, let's get us some seven grain. <laughs> I could really go for some seven grain right now. Uh, and we had a conversation about. Matt basically somehow we went from like time traveling with Abraham Lincoln and putting Lincoln in a Lincoln car. <laughs> And then at some point that became making him the patsy in a robbery in Helena and blowing out the bridges and stuff. <laughs> so like a bartender came out when we started talking about blowing out the bridges, immediately went inside and I was wondering if they were calling Homeland Security. I was going to be like, no, you need to understand Lincoln's the patsy at the end of this. It's not happening. <laughs> but uh, this lady came out with this basket and she had – like weed baked into bread and she was handing it to everybody. And she they were hand- brownies. Oh, they were brown. Okay. It looked like bread, but okay. So that makes sense. And brownies. And I had this and I was like, God damn, like seven years ago I would eat this, but I just like, I won't anymore. So I wound up giving it out to somebody, but, uh, yeah, I did. I didn't get to partake in that, but it was just funny. She was around the bar, just passing it out to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> It was a really fun time. I had a really good time. It was a lot of fun. And I had one beer because I had to work in the morning. And so I left Brian. I was like, I got to go, dude. Like, it's it's getting late. I got to get up in the morning. And so I go to walk out, and Matt sees me on the way out. And he's like, well, you want to have a cigarette really quick? And I was like, yeah. And we stood there and talked for an hour and yeah, a half. Yeah, I went inside the bar, had a – somebody bought me a PBR, finished that, like – came outside and you were still there talking (laughs) 
we were literally kept coming back to the inciting incident. Like we were talking about how you open a movie. Like Matt was talking about how um, there's like a rule that you're in a movie. You're supposed to like have the opening scene something that really draws the the viewer in, draws the viewer in, and sets the mood for the movie. Basically, yeah. But he wasn't concentrating on the mood. It was more like just gets the people's attention right away. And so we were talking about that, but we keep trailing off into weird like tangents, and we would always come back to that again and again. <laughs> so we probably only talked about the inciting incident for ten minutes, but we were talking for an hour and a half and kept using it as a point to drop back. You could tell we're podcasters, dude. Just can't. <laughs> Shut up, tangent everywhere, like never a break in conversation. <laughs> and I kept saying, All right, one more cigarette, and then I gotta go. And it never happened. I never left. <laughs> it was just over and over again. I only left more. about ten minutes after you did. <laughs> yeah. But um I uh, I did wanna say uh because every now and then on the show we talk about like ways that you can listen to the show. And lately, you know, we've been doing a Facebook live video every month. We're going to continue to do that, I think, every month. Uh, maybe a little more frequently now that I figured out I can use my phone finally to do it. I might, like, throw in a special thing or two. It has nothing to do with Montucky Skies. But I, I first off want to thank everybody. Since we did that last video, like, we got a little bump with the first one. And it sort of maintained, a li- like, it went up and then sort of dwindled down. But... The last bump was 20%, and it's, like, held for two weeks. We had almost – I think it was almost 1,400 viewers on the last I, it Facebook was, Live. Actually, it was, it was like, three short of 1,500 yeah. uh, at, at the last I saw it. So I'm sure that's where it's at now because it's, it's dated now. Yeah. But thank you for everybody who checked it out, like, told anybody – about it but anybody's listening to the new one like you can check out old episodes at the archive uh, montuckyskies.blogspot.com but i like to retain our listenership and i know some people are like listening to it on computers or listening to some annoying thing on your phone maybe you're just like on the web page listening to it or listening to it through facebook so i just wanted to say like cast box this is like one that i did now i used to do podcast republic now i'm doing cast box and it's pretty cool like it's got all the stuff on the iTunes archive, which I know a lot of people have no idea that this is connected to iTunes whatsoever. <laughs> but most podcasts you listen to, you have to like put them up through iTunes, and then a lot of people grab them. So I know the what the feed I use actually comes from iTunes originally. So yeah, so everything that we have archived for Not Safe for Network, like everything, is on Castbox. So I don't even have to put any effort to get it into it. It's already there. Like I looked up and it's got more episodes than like when I looked at Podcast Republic or most places, they take our archive and they only go like 25 back. Like I've been looking at some like Box Office Battle, for example. I went to look at that and like they have episodes all the way to episode one and we had like 48 episodes of that. So like they actually have more episodes at your disposal. So it's just easier like to use it, I guess is my point. So uh, just another little podcatcher you can check out if, uh, if you're looking for an easier way to listen to this stuff. So I got it on my phone. I love it. Enough about our tech section. Unless you want to talk about Vine closing. Do you have like any kind of affinity for Vine? You know, it's about an 80-20 mix in my head. I'm 80% glad it's going away. 
20% because there are just some gems on Vine. Yeah. yeah, I never sought out Vines, but there were some that I saw that you just can't help but be mesmerized <laughs> by and watch like on continuous loops and laugh. Yeah, my uh, my family really likes to uh, watch like compliment, comp. Uh, compilation compilation when they throw them up on youtube on youtube (laughs) yeah so i mean there's like i mean they could sit down by the way because there's something about the vine the way it repeats when you watch it like that yeah a lot of the time it's not as good if it's like a really good vine because when you figure out what's going on sometimes you want to watch it again you know yeah but uh anyway so, but I mean, there's just some, there's some gems. So that's like the 20% I'll miss is that kind of stuff. But the rest of it, the annoying, because like I said, most of what I watch is compilation videos. So yeah. it, there is no control over quality. So you can go have one that's like really, really quiet. And then one that just <laughs> blows loud. your ears out and like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's that a, irritates me to no end. That's also the fault of the person putting up the YouTube video. Like, if I put up a YouTube video, I'm going to be paying attention to the audio. Maybe it's because I cut podcasts all <laughs> yeah. the time. But you don't want something that suddenly jumps unless you're trying to get that effect somehow. But on Vines, you shouldn't have that effect. They no. should all be at the same no, level. Most of what I, that we've watched was probably... Just somebody that literally just grabbed 50 vines yeah, and, and then just, just cut together. them together. Yeah, and didn't do any more work. Yeah. Yeah, like I would have taken the audio and like normalized it and limited it. God, <laughs> if that – like if somebody would go to that – like at least that level, I would watch probably a lot more of it. Yeah, I mean – and it's something that would take like five minutes, but it's just some people don't even know how to do that. So They don't I, know that and – you know this, the youths these days. The youths, the youths. Yeah, when we were in high school, they uh, we totally cut all our audio for our vines. <laughs> like we we controlled that shit. We made sure that when people popped onto YouTube, that they knew what they were in for. You know, they but, were in for a steady product. But it's we're, people. I'm 37, by the way. <laughs> people want it now. Yeah, you know. Microwave popcorn takes too long. Yeah, you can get a million hits, but you have to drop that video at just the right time. <laughs> I've never managed that. <laughs> no. 1500 is my personal best, and that was for a Facebook Live video, so there you go. But thank you for watching. Yeah. Uh, the, is there any vines you're going to particularly miss? The one, the one. The Bat Dad. Bat Dad was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I watched some compilations for Bat Dad for sure. Uh, the one that I'll miss was surprise, motherfucker. Rude dies, motherfucker. <laughs> Get some fries, motherfucker. Like just all of that when he's doing dokes. dokes. I love that, dude. It's so great. And that could that, only exist. I've on watched vine. compilations of the guy that does that. And he is hilarious because he just he does so many like voice impersonations. It's if you really can fun. remember his name, you got to give me that later because I would love to check. Like that dude's got talent. You can tell by the way he rhymed all those things and the way he walked down the hallway while he's doing it, like holding up stuff, holding up fries. French fries, motherfucker. There's one other one. uh, I think it's David Lopez. He does uh, a Juan. It's like he he plays – he's a Hispanic-looking guy and he, like, does all these, like – um. 
Mexican gardeners and like just stuff like uh, Jesus. <laughs> I found Jesus and they like grab him and drag him in that kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like it's he's pretty funny to watch too. <clears throat> I don't know. I I'm not overly sorry to see it go. No, but me neither. I, I think it is for like super short attention spans and I'm more into long form stuff. But I felt like it had its place. Yeah. And I think the world's a little sadder without it just for those crazy things. But maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody will figure, somebody's going to crib that, right? And figure out a way I to I would make think money. so. Like, oh, well, we can't do six seconds, but we can do 6.3 seconds and that's legal. Five minute abs. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that takes out the point of Vine. Then, then no, it's I, like I was annoying. just making a joke from Half Baked. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I went to a movie on Halloween, which had nothing to do with Halloween, but it was just because my wife wanted to go you see had- a movie. So the kids were at school, and we looked to see what we could check out while they were at school, which came down to either Inferno or Keeping Up with the Joneses. So we went to Keeping Up with the Joneses because my wife did not want to watch Inferno. Is so. that the one with uh, Zach Galifianakis? Yep, Zach Galifianakis. Um, it's really funny. It's fu- like okay. Here's the thing. You know the plot. This isn't. A, I say this a lot, but like you know, you know what the plot is just by watching the trailer, and you've seen it a million times. But the people they choose are just fun to hang with for an hour and a half. Yeah. Like it's it's basically Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher play this couple and uh they're just like typical like uh suburbanite like white like you know just like Zach Galifianakis is a is a HR director and she's like a housewife who's like Snoopy so it's a, you know a little bit sexist in that way I suppose damn you Aaron Donaldson getting in my head with all mm-hmm. this stuff <laughs> But, uh, you know, she pulls out the binoculars to look at the neighbors and stuff. But so their neighbors move in and it's John Hamm and Gal Gadot and they're Damn. Sp- they're spies. Like you just know immediately from watching it that they're spies. And it is so much fun, dude. It's just fun. Like, and I got to say, Zach Galifianakis has like really grown in his acting because it's not like this is a spectacular acting job. Don't get me wrong, but he's funny in it, and he's not doing like. Is a it just super beyond the? Thing. Is it just beyond? Because I know a lot of Zach Zach's comedy comes from physical comedy, mm-hmm. um, and I mean he's got some stuff beyond that. I mean I'm not trying to just like pigeonhole. See, I feel like his stuff usually comes from like like being off the wall. Right. Yeah, like like the hangover. There, there's two. Example. I mean, there's two different parts that you could you could put him in either corner. I mean, he does a lot of physical comedy, but he does a lot of the just weird. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a weird. He's person. really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and like the the physical comedy is there a little bit, but like you do buy that he's like a, a house dad. He's just like a really dopey one who's super into his job and very like positive. But it's just a funny movie. Like, it's really fun. And I like, like, they use John Hamm and Gal Gadot perfectly in this. Like, they're these perfectly sculpted people. You know something's up with them right away. But, like, John Hamm is just so damn likable when you watch him. And he is, like, 
He's funny because he he mostly plays the straight man in this, but he's so good at doing it. Like he's just he's so good at like seeing like somebody's energy and just like playing down a couple levels and just having that work. Like I just really enjoyed this movie, man. Like it was a fun watch. So I definitely recommend it. I don't want to give too much away, even though it is cookie cutter. Like once you hear a joke, it just sort of ruins the movie, you know? Yeah. But it is funny how into being an HR director, Zach Galifianakis <laughs> is, and it like plays in everything. I mean, and there's other really funny people. And there's Matt Walsh from the upright citizens brigade is in this and Veep. uh, Patton Oswald plays a pretty big role in it too. And, uh, like picture picture a gun runner okay okay i got my i got my eyes closed did you I'm picture to... pat oswald <laughs> no if i picture a gun runner it's probably closer to danny trejo <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and i'm not, not trying to be like racist like saying because Danny Trejo no, because he looks like he should he be in prison. He's just an intimidating motherfucker. By the motherfucker. way, was totally in, like, right out of prison when uh, when Robert Rodriguez started casting him for movies. Because he looks like he should be in prison. He's just a scary-looking dude. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, I it's it's fun, dude. I, I will give away one little thing. So, Pat Oswald, his... Uh, He's basically his name. You find out eventually is Bruce Springsteen, and he wants everybody <laughs> to call him the boss. He's like, "Wait, so your name's Bruce Springsteen?" He's like, "No, Springsteen." He's like, "And you insist we call you the boss?" And he's like, "No, just call me boss, not the boss." <laughs> and he's just getting really irritated by. But it's a fun movie, man. It uh, sounds good. Yeah. So, I think it was Friday night. I went through. I was looking through Netflix at horror movies just because that's been the headspace I've been in. Yeah, we did that a little bit too. Um, I ended up rewatching From Dusk Till Dawn. Ah, 20th anniversary this year too. I just saw I forgot. That I, we I, saw a commercial for it at, uh, at Keeping Up with the Joneses. They had a commercial for the 20th anniversary nice. screening. So I forgot how much I really love that. It's a great movie. <laughs> That's the movie that made me fall in love with George Clooney because he's so goddamn good in it. He is so good in that yeah. movie. Like, you know, I've that's saying I've, a I've lot. Ta- People ta- who listen I've to talked to shit know. about George Clooney, but that guy wouldn't. He's got on-screen charisma in that movie. Yeah, like here's the thing. Like, I love George Clooney. I make no apologies for it, but like that was a movie that turned me on him. Cause I was like in the fuck George Clooney camp until I saw that movie. And then I was just in, like I was in on George Clooney and you have like, whether you get in on them or not, you have to admit it when somebody like knocks something out of the park. Like, I've talked loads of shit about Michael Bay in this podcast. I will continue to talk loads of shit about Michael Bay, but The Rock is fucking good. I, I like just, the and Rock. I don't, yeah, and it's hard to quantify, but like I somehow he Nicholas fuck, Cage. It's the Nicholas Cage factor, but it's not. It's Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage is great in it too. Don't get me wrong, but for me, it's Sean Connery. I just like I love him in that movie. He's so there, great. Well, there's so. 
Like it's just you. Good you all can around. you can name a lot of stuff that's really good yeah. about that. Movie. Ed Harris is a pretty Ed good Harris villain. is a really good like a good villain who you can actually identify with. Which you makes can him a you can villain. identify with. I mean, you can see his weaknesses in that movie or where his line is in that movie where he will not cross that line. Yeah. So I mean, he did a really great job with that movie. Yeah, it's just it's a good movie all around. So. You know, you got to be able to give credit when somebody's like goes to drop a turd and suddenly there's like, I don't know, a sack of pot in there or something <laughs> like way to go, dude. <laughs> you just shit out something that like is good for everybody. I that's a horrible analogy. <laughs> Let me walk that back. <laughs> I don't know where my head's at. This pilsner's already going to my head. <laughs> All right. So I do have a little bit of news. Okay. Uh, the Timberline Lodge in on Mount Hood in Oregon. Uh-huh. Most famous for the exterior shots of The Shining. Oh, okay. Is going to be hosting a horror summit in 2017. What does this horror summit entail? And is everybody it's coming like out a, alive? It is a uh, it's a basically a, a horror film festival. Okay. Um, and I didn't Mount hood's fun, by the way, that's just like a fun little area to hang out. Yeah. Um, they, uh, it's got so many people in the horror genre of Hollywood right now. And putting that in the Northwest is perfect yeah. because Oregon is filled with nerds. I know there's nerds all over, but Portland is filled with, um, like the area outside of Portland is filled with, um, like border to border of Oregon is filled with nerds. <laughs> There's a lot of nerds hey, there. I know. I'm going to show. I'm going to show you. I'm going to sh- turn around and I'm going to show you some of my nerd cred right now. Okay. Highway 101, Harley Davidson, Coos Bay, Oregon. Where'd you get that? Holy shit! Coos Bay, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> when did you go to Coos Bay? I didn't. Oh. My parents actually bought this for me. Your parents went to Coos Bay? Yeah, they took a whole motorcycle trip all the way down from Seattle all the way down through Oregon. Did they talk about how beautiful it looks? Well, it's everybody knows how beautiful it is. Yeah, it really is. That's where my mom was on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Janelle Minton. She, she lives in Coos Bay with my brother, so I go there when I can. It's been a few years, but it is really beautiful. Uh, there was a long time when I was younger that it was super fucking boring. Like, unless you did dune buggies, that was like the only thing to do there. But because it was mostly retired people, but then they built an Indian casino there and now <laughs> it's fucking rocking in that town. Like I actually have a lot of fun. That's probably why they have a Harley dealer there. Yeah. When me and my wife uh, visited Coos Bay on our way to San Francisco, we like chartered a plane for 20 minutes <laughs> like a dude seaplane. that sounds like a great afternoon activity yeah and serenity was a baby so i thought for like i don't know i was like should we do this yeah we should totally fucking do this and so and she was with you know my mom so she was in good hands but me and my wife like lay down 20 bucks for 20 minutes on the seaplane dude it's 20 great, dude. 20 bucks well spent i felt like jimmy buffett for 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun but uh we should get back to a little bit of nerd news here was there anything else about that mount hood uh, uh no i just thought it was kind of well um they had 
previously held this festival at the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, which is famous for the interior shots oh, of The, the Shining. Shining. So this is a thing. Are they going to hold it at Jack Nicholson's house next year? <laughs> the only place that they have left, I think, would be the Glacier Hotel. In- is that like the maze or something? Um, no, they built the, they actually built the maze at the Stanley Hotel in okay. Colorado in Estes Park. I believe the bathroom door. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what, no, it was cause they shot a lot of the, uh, the first scenes in the movie where Jack Nicholas and Shelley Duvall are driving along the road okay. up to the hotel. Those were all shot in Glacier. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, um. Moving away from The Shining, uh, James Cameron. Uh, so he's been making some pretty big news lately. Um, he's pulling a George Lucas, but in a good way, I'm going to argue. Uh, he's saying that he wants to, to, with his Avatar sequels, he basically wants to push theaters into getting 4K projectors, like projectors that'll do the 4K. Uh, he's insisting that with the extra frames... It's going to help the kind of awkwardness when you're watching 3D and the camera weaves in and out or, or pans in the shot. And so he he's saying that this can all be um, fixed by putting extra frames into the thing by doing these 4K projectors. So he's making a hard push to get all the theaters to grab 4K projectors. I love this. You I'm know, not I'm convinced gr- that I'm- these are going to be huge movies. I think they'll they'll do well. But I think Avatar just came along at the right time. You know, Avatar was the one that really like pushed the modern 3D. Yeah, envelope. it just came out perfectly. Like yeah. it came out right when 3D was starting to come out. I didn't Nothing join really that bandwagon, but what's that? I didn't enjoy that bandwagon, but I've enjoyed the movies that have come since. Yeah. Uh, did, so you didn't see Avatar in the theater? Or? No. Oh, you saw it on video? Yeah, it's garbage if you see it on video. Oh, God, it's so I, bad. And I hate to say that. Everybody says it, but it's true. If you saw it in the theater, you get swept away because it, the 3D was so amazing in it. And I wonder how much of that was like that we weren't used to 3D. It was probably a lot garbage. of the novelty of it. Yeah, but it was really good. Like, I remember they had those, like, glow trees, and you could see little branches, like, all over, just little tiny parts of it. Like, I still feel like I haven't seen 3D that's met that since. And it's just total garbage on video. So I'm basically, I will probably go watch the sequel just because of, like, the visual splendor. Like, I trust James Cameron for that. Um, But I won't be watching him on video because I learned my lesson about that because I was so swept away by Avatar watching the theater. And I held out for, like, two and a half months. Like, it just everybody telling me I needed to go see it. So finally, I was like, fuck it. I'll go see it. And I was like, wow. Like, I was so amazed. And then we watched it right when it came out on Blu-ray. And I was like, oh. And then I realized, like, it's totally the 3D. Like, it's, yeah. And it was, everything is, like, built to spectacle in that movie. You know, I'm, I'll give James Cameron kudos on that for pushing the envelope as far as technology-wise. Yeah, and I guess that's mainly my point is just like I like George Lucas did this with Phantom Menace. Um, he insisted yeah. that he would only play the movies if the like in theaters that got digital projectors, digital and projectors, I, and Wells the 3D surround. I think I think they did that with later prequels. Uh, the initial one I think was just the the 
digital projectors because I know he had a demand and I couldn't tell you what they all were, but he had a demand with each prequel that came out because they were so big that he was just like, yeah, you have to do this to your theater if you want the movie. And like, I, I applaud the digital projector thing that George Lucas did. Like it pushed a lot of theaters to get those projectors because it was like, you're going to make money off of this movie. Like you're going to make money. So are you just going to pass up that paycheck or are you going to like invest a little bit in it to make your movies look better yeah. in the future? So I dig and that James, Cameron you know, did that. you know, it was a pretty solid investment. Cause I mean, they were packing in the audience. Yeah. Plus, you know, they'll have the projection system for movies down the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kudos to you, James Cameron. Uh, the other big news for me hasn't really like caught fire yet. Maybe we'll see if the Trekkies have anything to do with it. But um, Brian Fuller stepped down as showrunner of Star Trek Discovery. So that's a real bummer because this dude, like, he did Hannibal. He did uh, Pushing Daisies. He's done a bunch of shows. And, like, I kept everything he was saying about the show they wanted to do with it, I was really a fan of. But he had the show pushed back from January to May, and apparently that created a lot of friction with CBS. And so he's staying on on a producer front. But uh, he has two writers who were also producers with him. They did a whole bunch of shows, but nothing I've ever watched. Have you ever seen Roswell? No. Yeah. That was like one that stuck out in my head. Um, But they've written a lot of stuff. Um, But basically, they were also executive producers on the show. And so they're stepping up to be the showrunner. Or the showrunners in his absence. It's uh, Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts. And I guess Brian Fuller like kind of supported him on Twitter. You know, he's still making money off of this. So, <laughs> and I guess another problem was that this is stupid on Brian Fuller's part. Like, absolutely stupid. He also is a co-showrunner on Amazing Stories. They're rebooting Amazing Stories for NBC. Amazing Stories. So in the eighties. Steven Spielberg's first TV show that he uh, produced was Amazing Stories. And it was just like every week had like, I don't know. It was almost like a dime store kind of novel, like each episode. Like they had one where like the one that sticks out to me uh, because it played every Christmas was like this kid like sees Santa Claus like crashes and he's, like, hurt or something, so he takes over the sled for Santa and, like, delivers all the presents for him. Uh, they had... I, they just did all sorts of stuff. There's one where, like, a kid, like, sees all these lights in his shirts, like a UFO, and then, like, goes out at night and winds up, like, his whole family... If I remember right, like, I think his whole family gets beamed up by the aliens, but he doesn't or something. Like, they always have, like, all these, like crazy amazing stories but like there's usually some sort of twist not always but often um it wasn't a great show (laughs) but it was like the mid 80s so you know i'm sure they could do something good with it now but like how do you think you're gonna like show run two shows not well no not well at all dude like these days showrunners they do 13 episodes that seems to take up their entire year you know, like yeah. when you include the writing process and everything. So I'm worried about Star Trek Discovery. I'm officially worried now. I was liking the direction it's going, and now I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen here? 
So I was reading an article kind of in the same vein, um, and I can't remember if it was – I believe it was Dark Horse Comics. Not, it was If it wasn't Dark Horse, it was the image. Okay. Um, the image? <laughs> <laughs> the image? The image comics. <laughs> they were going to do a Star Trek Next Generation um, aliens crossover. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I could get into that, actually. So, I mean, they have, uh, I think it was, I can't remember how many episodes of, or issues they were going to do. I think it was either 8 or 12 run issue. Of, oh, I like that idea. That's fun. I thought that would be, because they were, I mean. Okay, so as far as I know, if Dark, or if aliens are involved, it's going to be Dark Horse. And that's what I think yeah. it was. So it's like image, but then again, I mean, at this point, Image and Dark Horse, I believe, are both owned by DC. I think so. Which means they're owned by Warner Brothers. But so I suppose it's very possible they could sling it out onto Image. But I'm betting it's Dark Horse. They're probably going to go a more adult kind of. I'm about eighty twenty Dark Horse yeah. that I the article I read, and I'm this was two or three weeks ago. I almost feel like IDK does Star Trek comics, so I wonder if those rights have reverted or something. You know, I don't know, but yeah, I know I that either. this was going to be a thing. I don't even know IDK is an actual brand. <laughs> <laughs> I read me superhero comics. <laughs> That's pretty interesting, though. I'm in. I'm in no matter what, even if they're shitty. I'm in to at least like complain about them. Because, I don't know, it just seemed really interesting, like... The thought of like Picard and Worf like beating up some xenomorphs. Yeah, <laughs> no, that could that could be real, ent- and they could figure out their weaknesses if there is one. Yeah, they're smart enough. I, I mean, it Data just, could. What if a chest burster goes on Data? Uh, who knows? It just wasted its time, dude. It just wasted its time. What if Data's head gets like? You know that's gonna happen, <laughs> right? Data's head is going to get decapitated at some point. Well, how many times did that happen in the series? Like three or four? I don't know. I feel like it was a thing that happened a few times. Uh, I don't remember his head coming off, uh, but I'm probably forgetting something. I I remember Lloyd having his head off. That's uh, Data's kind of brother. Oh. He's like not as evolved as Data as an android. He's kind of like his evil brother. Who's played He's by like Brent the lollipop Spiner. to the Kit Kat version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be interesting. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. And just the idea that there's all these like vagina penis monsters running around <laughs> with like Star Trek just makes me laugh. <laughs> they should almost do the original cast with this. <laughs> that would be fun, but... I think the next generation is, I think it'd be all right. I, I actually think that's more suited just because of data. The more and more I think about that, or Worf going out. Worf. Like, like Worf oh could God. tear some Xenomorph ass. Like, and so then the Predators have weapons where they like, then they like dig them into like alien blood or like 
put alien blood on their weapons so that they could fight the aliens. You got to figure Worf is going to figure that out with one of his crazy. Well, he's got his like uh, Klingon blades. He's just going to cut into one guy and use that blood against the next guy. Oh, I do hope they have (laughs) Worf in it. What if they don't have Worf? What if he's in Deep Space Nine in the timeline? They won't do that. They're going to no. They're going to have Worf. Those ridges are too much fun to draw. I'm sure. Well, that. You know, if you take Worf out, what do you have for, like, muscle left on the yeah, next generation? Crewman. It's just crewmen at that point. <laughs> You're just going to keep throwing red shirts at them. <laughs> dude, you just made my fucking day, dude. That is amazing news. I did not come across that at all. It was one article, and I don't know. I didn't have a chance to, like, really, like, deep into the the validity Wow, that Pilsner. <laughs> Those two Pilsners. Okay, so some other crazy rehashing intellectual property news here. Uh, Rambo is going to be rebooted. I saw that. Yeah, without the involvement of Sylvester Stallone. I mean, you got to at this point, right? A <laughs> <laughs> 70-year-old man, like... He's going to get torn apart by an M60 shooting that thing. The last one was so great, though. It was just, like, so ridiculously, like, over-the-top bloody. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's going to be called Rambo New Blood. The frontrunner for director is Ariel Veroman, who directed Iceman with Michael Shannon, if you ever saw that joint. No, I don't think I've seen that one. It's about a contract killer named the Iceman. It actually like goes into like who he was as a person, and it, it it was a pretty good movie. Like it was an interesting movie, which gives me hope that because they're apparently going to redo the first movie, essentially, that maybe they can actually get it right. Because people keep forgetting, like First Blood, that was a movie about a homeless vet who basically starts a war with a sheriff in a small town. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, and I think only one person dies in that movie, too, which is, like, exact opposite of Rambo 4, (laughs) 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 which is somewhere around. I'm surprised it didn't make the list of, like, the all-time movies, honestly, but it's probably because they didn't CGI everybody. (laughs) But an insane body kill count. Um Body kill count. Jesus, dude. Those pills wow. went to my head, too. <laughs> but um, apparently New Image Millennium Films believes that John Rambo is akin to James Bond. And so they're trying to treat the franchise as such. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> this is not James Bond. No. So that worries me a little bit. I wonder if they're the ones responsible for the Toxic Avenger reboot <laughs> that's going to make $100 million. <laughs> I I would have to see a Toxic Avengers that made $100 million. <laughs> it's not happening. I'm all for a reboot. I just don't think that's happening. Like, but. I love like the fact that I could go to a new go to the video store and get a new uh, Toxic Avenger movie, but it ain't making a hundred hundred mil in the theater. That just ain't happening. No. And just to reiterate, I don't know that these are the same film companies. It's just the same kind of talk, the same kind of crazy talk that uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I. 
I have hope for the Rambo reboot. I'm a little sad that Sylvester Stallone. I'm not a little sad. I'm a lot sad that he has nothing to do with this, though. Like they're not even bringing him in as a producer or anything. So you know, it would be nice to see him as a a cameo at least or something. Yeah, somewhere around the film, Sly as but he the could, sheriff. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great because he could play like an old greasy sheriff for a while. Yeah, why not? He could do the Brian Dennehy. <laughs> That's right. It was Brian Dennehy. See, people who haven't seen First Blood, they always see part two or three or four. Nobody's seen First Blood. It's just us, man. <laughs> Have you seen First Blood? A long time ago. Yeah, not enough to remember so well. No. I like. I had seen the second and third one first, and I'd never seen the first one until about 15 years ago. And it was... Like it was a VHS tape that was in the the retirement home I was working at, so I popped it in late one night, and I was like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Homeless? What is going on in this movie?" <laughs> like, but it's so good. It's it's like it's much like Rocky. The first one is legitimately good, and then the sequels are like entertaining, but they're not what you would call good movies. <laughs> no. Although I would say Apollo was totally fucking good. Creed. Or Creed, yeah, not Apollo. Creed was a good movie. Yeah, Creed was a good movie. Sorry, he was Adonis, not Apollo. But So I'm questioning that direction. Um, James Gunn, he just directed Stan Lee in his next four cameos for Marvel movies. So we have the director of Guardians of the Galaxy directed Stan Lee's next four cameos. So... Um, some people are like, ah, blah, 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 style director. Like, I, it doesn't matter with Marvel movies. They kind of insist on them all doing the same style and things like that. So for little cameos, they just said, you know, Stanley's 92 years old. So <laughs> it's really hard for him to go to a movie set every single time. So they just decided to rope him in for a bunch at once. So kind of smart. I think it's a good move. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I, I hope that they... And just randomly like pick four things for him, and then they're like, "Work it into your movie, make it happen." <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm glad that they're getting many Stanley cameos before he kicks the bucket because that's kind of a legitimate concern when you're 92. Yeah. So, what has been your favorite Stanley cameo? I've said it before; it still remains my favorite. It was the Incredible Hulk when. Uh, uh, Edward Norton's blood like winds up in one little green energy drink and Stan Lee goes to grab it out of the fridge and drinks it and dies. It was just hilarious. It was really funny. That was, that was my number one until Deadpool came out. Remind me what he did in Deadpool. He was the uh, DJ in the strip club. Oh, that's right. That was pretty <laughs> great, too. Although, God, there's been a lot of good ones. Um, what was it, Avengers 2, where he's like the old... Uh, army vet that yeah. gets really shit faced yeah that's right at the officers club <laughs> he was pretty great in uh civil war too where he calls uh tony stark tony stank <laughs> god i just watched that a couple weeks ago and i just i forgot i like forgot about that scene and then it just rolled just rolled on the floor laughing I just rewatched Spider-Man 2 a couple nights ago because I was trying to get something to get my daughter to sit down and watch it with me. And she made it through most of the movie. I mean, she had to get up and do things at certain parts. But 
Dude, that movie still holds up. I love that. I mean, like, some of the swinging scenes and stuff are pretty... The CGI doesn't really hold up so well. But the story is so good in that it, movie. The story's solid. Yeah, that train scene still makes me cry when I watch it. Like, I get watery eyes when he's like... I They just spent so much of the movie, like... uh just shitting on Peter Parker like over and over and over again and just like makes you like sadder and sadder for him when he hangs up the Spider-Man thing but then when he goes in the train and saves those people and he's like unconscious and they like carry him backwards and they're like he's just a kid and they're like we'll we'll keep your secret for you and stuff and they hand him the mask it was just like that combination of stuff just fucking hits me every time and I gotta say like People are, like, too rough on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, too, because people were pissed about the third one. I think they were starting to say, like, oh, Tobey Maguire is good as Peter Parker, but he sucked as Spider-Man. But when I was rewatching again, nah, he's pretty good as Spider-Man. Like, he actually does... Yeah, you know, I... He does crack some jokes. It's not It's not the, the humorless thing people were making it out to. You know, I think I'll always stand up for Sam Raimi because he's got a special place in my heart. Yeah. But it's not just the special place. It's like, which, by the way, there's a total Evil Dead scene with Doctor Octopus when he first, when he like wakes up in the hospital and his arms have sort of overtaken him. They do all these Evil Dead shots where they're like whipping him yep. with people, <laughs> and the bone saw comes out, and it's like, like for some reason they have like some sort of chainsaw in like the <laughs> hospital. There's no way they have that thing, but it's like all of that stuff is just like so Evil Dead in that movie. So that he even like manages to have like a little homage to Evil Dead in there. Plus Bruce Campbell, what's not to love? Love it. Oh, go ahead. So have you? Uh, how have you? How have you been following along on Ash versus Evil Dead? Oh, I'm I'm caught up. I haven't watched the latest episode that I, that premiered Sunday night. Okay, but I'm caught up to then. Yeah, I've been watching it day of now. <laughs> like stars drops all their stuff at like midnight the day it's supposed to come out so i've been like when i wake up in the morning i like get the kids to school it's like the first thing i watch nice when I get back yeah um that episode with uh when he fights the car is fucking great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty fun uh the, and we were talking earlier <laughs> off air about the music of that show and the I just guttural laughed when uh, they get in uh, Ted Ramey's car and they like te- tear off in this AMC Pacer to take off to the great wide north. Take off! It's a beauty way to go. Take off! <laughs> yeah, like I. I mean, I couldn't see any other place where that music would fit very well, but that just was hilarious to me. Because they were taking off. (laughs) (laughs) Eh? Poser? Yeah, it was a pretty great episode. I love that he throws a Necronom. Like, that portal (laughs) appears in in his trunk. And so they're just like, they decide, yeah, it's a good (laughs) idea to throw, like, the Necronomicon in the portal. Like, how is that a good idea? You need the Necronomicon right now. This is such a bad idea. So, of course, they raise Ball. That's the next episode. That's all I'll say about it. But they raise Ball, who is like, it's it's a different kind of demon in a different way. It's fun. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
So that I shows. might actually run because I have it on my uh, DVR right now. So I might actually run that, run through that after this. Yeah, you should. Record. It's it's pretty great. Uh, okay, so let's see what else. Thor Ragnarok director. Excuse me if I fuck up this name. Takey Watiti. Uh, dropped the name Meek in a Facebook Live interview, which means they're probably going to incorporate some aspect of Planet Hulk, which we thought they might be. There was like little hints. There was a lot of stuff. speculation that was that was where they were sort of heading. But for, go ahead. Something I was reading a while, not that long ago, was talking about you know that he ends up on a place where they had a gladiator contest Mm -hmm. and one of the contestants was the Hulk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would say this confirms it if they're having Meek and Meek is for those not familiar, uh, in the planet Hulk, uh, and world war Hulk books. Meek is this giant insect, like insectoid alien, uh, who winds up becoming the Hulk's friend. It's not such a great person when you boil it down, but I don't know how much of that they're going to touch on in, in this movie. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of exciting that they're going to incorporate elements of Planet Hulk. So I did It read- sort of gives life to all the rumors earlier when they talked about doing Planet Hulk. And, and the, you know, they kept denying they were doing Planet Hulk. This makes sense. They're not doing Planet Hulk, but they're gonna, they were planning on stealing elements of it. That makes sense. And I'm happy with that. Uh, The other thing I saw or read online was about they had an interview with uh, that director that you mentioned. I won't (laughs) even try the. Let me try it again. Takai Watiti. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Because I know we've talked about the uh, Thor 3 teaser that they had over the summer with the. that was shot office style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same director too, I think. Um that I think it was Marvel was kind of like, okay, we can have funny elements, but you really have to like restrain yourself and not make it a com- complete comedy. <laughs> like <laughs> so I thought that I thought it was interesting seeing that because I think it would be fun to see like a humorous Thor. I mean, we've gotten some humor, with her, especially in like the Avengers movies. He's pretty funny, but yeah, this, I feel like this is going to take it to another level. Even like the, the title that they have for it for Ragnarok, like it's done eighties style, <laughs> which like they, they keep talking about how this is going to be kind of like a buddy cop movie. So it's like, it just takes that to another level. I can't wait, dude. This thing looks... It sounds great. It like, looks bizarre and funny and awesome. I just... I cannot wait for that. It's two great partners, too. Like, the Hulk and Thor. Yeah. Like, you have such a... Like, they're both, like, brooding and, like, angry. But then also, like, Thor has reasoning. But then you put in the Bruce Banner element, who's even smarter than Thor. Like, Thor looks like an idiot next to Bruce Banner. So it's like depending on who Bruce Banner is, it like totally changes like the chemistry of the two of them. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. So I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth is pretty funny on screen. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, say what you want. Say what you want about Ghostbusters. Chris Hemsworth was funny. You better be saying it's funny. <laughs> it's a funny movie. I like it. <laughs> um, but you know, and the the teaser that we saw, he was funny, and I could see a lot of great humor coming out. The one thing that would be interesting because so far in the the Marvel universe, we haven't really seen too much of interaction between uh, Thor and Hulk. That's true. Just I mean, like Hulk punching. Thor. Yeah, that's the, like the one exception <laughs> I could think is well, like they fought in the yeah. Avengers too when they first meet. Yeah, that's about it. So, I mean, I think it could be really interesting if you see them trying to get on the same page. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Yeah, I think this is going to be fun. I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> different news, but it's just fun to look at. Have you seen the guy who dressed up like Silver Surfer and he's going around New York? I saw that. It's amazing. He's got this, like, silver bodysuit. The only thing that's not right is his hair. He has hair. Like, I would have just shaved it off for that, but apparently his hair was too important. <laughs> but And he turned his skateboard into, like, this giant silver surfboard. He took, just like, a big enough surfboard he, and, like, put wheels on it so he could, like, s- like skate around New yeah, York. Yeah, and it's just big enough where you can only see the wheels at certain angles. But they even showed, like, cops taking pictures in traffic laughing. So... <laughs> It's pretty awesome. That's like talk about going for your sea level character and like <laughs> making gold with it. So or silver. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, my last thing I have kind of harkens back to Halloween. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> there's a little bit sports, but not really. So we know about Metal World Peace. We've talked about them a little bit. Well, in Oklahoma City. It's not super big. And so they have this hotel called the Skirvin Hilton Hotel. And apparently NBA players almost always have to stay there for games. And I've heard a lot of journalists talk about that hotel. Because there's not very many places to stay. So often everybody will stay at this hotel. Um, Meta World Peace. Where he gave this quote because they were doing a Halloween story about that hotel. Because... The Lakers were playing in OKC for Halloween, okay? So he said, they touched, or the ghosts were all over me. I just accepted it. They touched me all over the place. I'm taking one of the ghosts to court for touching me in the wrong places. Now. Did he grab him by the pussy? <laughs> no, that's Donald Trump. That's a ghoul, not a ghost. <laughs> Different G word. But do we... Number one, do we believe that Meta World Peace believes this? And number two, do we believe that it happened? I don't believe it happened, but I do believe Meta Meta World Peace believes That's that. That's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly where I'm at. I think anybody who changes their name to Meta World Peace and brags about how he used to drink Cavassier during halftime of games... <laughs> Definitely believes a ghost touched him all over the place. <laughs> and I definitely believe he's going to be taking him to court. I don't think that was like a humorous <laughs> thing he was saying. I think he was looking into it and hasn't found a lawyer who would take the case yet. Why not, dude? You could, you know, you can make your name for being the ghost lawyer. <laughs> There's probably some rich, affluent people who have haunted that hotel. Hey, you better call Saul. 
That's right. <laughs> yeah. Bring in Saul Goodman. <laughs> Saul Good, man. He'll he'll get you. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, I wanted to talk about uh, American Horror Story. Okay. Uh, season six has been so fucking good. Okay. Um, I was kind of hesitant when I was watching because they were going through because I had talked about this previously. They set it up as like a uh, documentary of stuff that happened. Um, so is this like in present day? Yes. Okay. They set it up as a documentary of stuff they had. Um, they had this interracial couple that goes through this experience in Roanoke and they end up making it out alive. Spoilers, I guess. Um, and I, I mean, it was so fun to watch, but then I'm like, how are they going to stretch this into 13 episodes? Cause they were going through it. at such a clip. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was typical American horror. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was watching it and I'm still, I think one or two episodes behind. So whatever happens there, I can't really expand upon, but so they had this first five or six episodes where it was the, basically they telling of the story of what happens beginning to end and they filmed it as a documentary like what you'd watch on i don't know whatever yeah um not not on any educational channels anymore no (laughs) maybe travel channel (laughs) no this is probably like a true story okay true tv true tv Yeah. yeah something where People are watching. People, people are between, watching. When they need to fill time between impractical jokers. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but it blew up as this big hit TV show, and so they switched it for the second half of the season, and they brought all of the the original the people that actually were living in Roanoke or the in the house when it happened, plus the dramatic actors into like a big brother style house. Like, so it's like a reality TV show and they're starting to kill people off. Uh, I might be out on this show. Oh, yeah. no <laughs> reality TV. <laughs> no, but it, it's really funny cause it's really lampooning. Like, I'm reality just, TV. I'm just having fun. I'm not, really, I'm not that hardcore about it. No, it's been like I was because they I'm like, well, shit, the blood moon's going to be like the blood moon's like part of the story of what's happening. I'm like, shit, this going to this story's going to be over in like 30 minutes. Like, what are they going to do with this? The second half of the season. And. Then they like had like one episode that was basically like um they're trying to sell it to the, like the 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 higher ups on the network and it was kind of interesting to watch cuz it it would be like if you were trying to sell American horror story to an executive 
So right. it was kind of interesting the to watch. Pitch. Yeah. I mean, the boardroom pitch. and I mean, it was really interesting to watch that. And then they, like, went off on this whole other tangent with this, like, bringing all... So, like, they have, like, two versions of each character on set. Oh, crazy. So, like, the one is, like, the actual person in the show was, like, a drunk or an alcoholic, but she... Like, after losing her kid, she uh, went sober. And, like, the the character actor that did the dramatic um, re- recreation of it... Okay. Ended up becoming... Like, because, she like, the show blew up, she ended up becoming an alcoholic. <laughs> because she got so much vitriol from, like, fans and stuff of the show. So it's been really interesting to watch. Let me ask you a question. What does Sarah Paulson do in this show? Uh, she is. She was part of the inter- the interracial couple that actually lived through the event. Okay. The reason I ask is because they're doing a crossover with Covenant coming up. They've been making a big deal of it. And They've, Sarah Paulson's character is going to be in the crossover. <sighs> so it's like. Her character that didn't she get like acid thrown in her face or something in Covenant? Yeah, yeah, that character. You know, I've heard a few things that they're trying to do for crossover because they wanted to tie it into the Murder House yeah, series. I've heard that they were tying it into that too. And I don't like need if, this to be a I shared universe. I. They you know, were I don't doing little things, and it was like if it was if it's a little thing. I'm fine with it, but you don't need to bring somebody else in on yeah, this. Yeah, like they have that one character from Asylum, and then they put him in like um, the freak show season. And it was like, okay, I guess that works. Like that makes sense, but it's still like I don't need it, you know? No, and it's one of those things like <sighs> I see where they're trying to do it for the fans, but at the same time, like I don't want to see that. Like it, this can this show can be its only th- its own thing for this season. Yeah, it doesn't have to tie to the other episode like seasons. Well, I got bad news for myself. I wasn't watching the Portland Golden State game just yet, but I think they lost because there was something about how good the rookie for Portland is doing. That does not bode well for my team. That means <laughs> it's garbage time. <laughs> garbage time. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the very good horror story. I just. I just want to weep into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm I'm still like glued to this season because I was so I watched Ho- American Horror Story Hotel, but it was on the edge of my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But this season has been so good, so. I'm hoping you keep keep me entertained at least the next seven episodes. Well, this is probably a good good spot to cut off because we're going about 70 minutes strong here. So take it easy. And respect the outro. Never respect the outro. Watch this. I will never respect the outro. That's for you, Zach. 
I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A Not Safe for Network podcast. You take that OD, you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of the bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege of mm-hmm. experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be alien. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah. Yeah, believe the mustache because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not right. And the characters pick up on it right away and they lock him away. (laughs) You know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache. And when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. The two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. Like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude, oh, yeah, I'd be that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have... Given that punching bag salmonella. Well, every now and then it's insightful. Find us on iTunes.